Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well done, Baku. Well done, you, for backing DR with me. Well done, Ferrari, for proving us wrong about Rebel Racing having the reliability issues. And well done, Lando Norris, for showing your true, petulant, and useless colours. G'day there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And I'm joined in person in Tommy T's house with, conveniently, Tommy T. G'day, mate. Feels weird to be in person, doesn't it? It does, even more so because Frey's also here. That is very strange. (laughs) It is very well, compared to where you live, yes. One extreme, to <laughs> One extreme to the other. Uh, it's good to be here, guys. In person, finally. I now live in Melbourne, which is great. So there'll be more in-person content with TT. For now, you live in Melbourne. <laughs> Who knows? It changes <laughs> very frequently, James. Mind. All the time. If you uh, know me, you know that's a very true statement. But Freya, it's great to have you in person as well. Really glad we could line this up for what wasn't too bad of a race. The last couple of laps were exceptionally stressful. We'll get Freya to had to stand that. up. I, I now realise more about Freya than I ever have. Yeah. She's a stressed uh, stander, yeah. like folded arms, pacing almost. Left, <laughs> left the televisions, yeah. couldn't watch anymore. Yep. I'm done. I'm done. That's it. Yep. I'm done. That was what was coming out. Blame McLaren. Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's only a couple of minutes after the race has finished, so we are really just – Diving straight into our thoughts out of this, which is a fantastic place to be. Um, but what I want to start with is absolutely my favourite part of this podcast. It is a Tommy, Tele- Tommy T's television broadcast review. Tommy Telly. Tommy Telly. <laughs> That's Sean. <shorter. laughs> Well, I did try and avoid it as much as I could, even though it wasn't actually a good time to watch Formula One for once in Melbourne. It was a mm. semi-decent practice session. qualifying. That was terrible. Qualifying was okay in comparison to what it usually can be. Well, okay, but, good point. Uh, I was just trying to avoid it because there was so much talk of Daniel uh, the whole week and it was littered throughout the practices I did see. So I was just here for qualifying as much as I could. But uh, we kind of had... We're looking at them now. We're still watching the post-race and we've got Johnny Herbert and we've got uh, Damon Hill. And that is just the, I don't know, the buffoons. (laughs) I I was trying to think of something nicer, but that buffoons fits. They're just really frustrating as a team as well because I think they like egg each other on with useless commentary. Mm. Um, So that's that's never a good start. We didn't have 
uh, the all-star cast of Ted. Mm. Uh, Brundle. No, Brundle. So we're already starting at a deficit there, really. Um, not really much to report. It was kind of a nothing broadcast. There was a few little things. There was no real big shining moments that stand out. We, we had one in the, uh, on the grid walk. We had Rachel Brooks interviewing <laughs> yeah. Lando Norris. And the, the question was, Lando, what kind of car have you got today? To, to which, which my- the, the three of us <laughs> had some very witty retorts instantly, didn't we? <laughs> we did. I said an orange one, yeah. Rachel. A NASCAR. Yeah. Bro said NASCAR. Ridiculous. Um, and James actually thought Port Arresta was okay. We, Freya, jumped to the defence of Port Arresta. We think he's fine. James doesn't like Port Arresta for some reason, but says he's been better. Well, this weekend it's not difficult to be better considering you absolutely have the B team on Sky. Uh, and when you're generally around anyway, it's easier to lift to make it look like you're performing better. But uh, to his credit, and, and of course being the Daniel Ricciardo biased person that I am, and uh, yes, I do occasionally swear on a podcast. <laughs> as as I try to say to Campy though, just do it for weight. See, when I swear, yeah. it's, there's some weight behind it. And because it's funny because then you do the little team radio sound and it's yes, funny. Yes, exactly and I love right. It. <laughs> exactly right. But it it really has annoyed me, as many of you know, for, for this whole dialogue around DR, which you can all put in the bin now after this result for, for this race. But to Paul's credit, he came out and defended Daniel because Crofty's just trying to get that. He, you might as well call him davidnews.com.au Croft. The, yeah. the amount of clickbaity crap that he comes yeah. out with is just ridiculous. We all have opinions about Crofty. That, that is absolutely true. But uh, PDR was, was absolutely coming to DR's defense, uh, and I'm here for that. I think you know there, there is a lot that Paul can be better at, but certainly this year I think he's been pretty average. But this weekend he was pretty good. So I'm happy to happy to allow you guys to like PDR. Oh, I still you. think he should be better. I still think <laughs> the whole you. sky thing should Thank be you, better. James. Um, but certainly, you know, he's at the very top of the B team. Top of the B team because he's getting groomed, it seems, to take over in that key well, that's role. That's what Campy seems to think, but I don't agree. Yeah. I mean, Brundle's not going anywhere anytime what soon. About Brundle Jr.? Alex, <laughs> Alex, and Alex, just, just straight, yeah. Quite literally, put Alex Jakes in because yeah. Alex Jakes and Alex Brundle in F two and F three commentary last year and, and many years before that yeah. have been That's an incredible right. team, yeah. and it's basically like having Martin Brundle anyway because he, the way that he says certain words is so much like his dad, and yes. I'm absolutely here for it's it. A different voice, but the cadences and stuff is exactly the same. The phrasing is exactly the same. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, we should quickly talk about the anthem. Yeah, so there's no more flyovers. Uh, and Tilly Willie uh, pointed that out. There is no more flyovers, which is really disappointing. Um, as we as we're watching the top Good timing. That was what we got. So we got to see some uh, 18s and 14s just then. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, but for for the anthem, look, I've written a note here. Minor key vibes. Campy would have his tick of approval all over this. Yeah. In fact, I know he did because in the preview episode, which if you haven't listened to yet, you should go back and listen to, by the way. Uh, but he absolutely is is for it. And Ooh. he's very correct. In, it's because he can remember the lyrics for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of just with the Italian national. I would love it every time he does it. The Italian national anthem, he's like, da da da. Da, 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 da. 
and still manages to snort halfway through that somehow. Uh, but yeah, it says Azerbaijan about 12 times at yeah. the end. Uh, but for the anthem for me, it's an eight and a half out of 10. I think it was a great performance. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to maybe deduct points Freya though because of the flag. Dress slash slash flag. Is he yeah. Flag? I don't know. I wasn't here for that. It kind of looked like someone's kind of youth end like craft project. And like, I know. We'll make the dresses. <laughs> The flag. It looked like, to me like uh, the Pink Panther when Kato like dresses up as the wall <laughs> to try and hide when he jumps out. It was very interesting, wasn't it? Um, so, have you got a score there, James, for the anthem itself, or are we just gonna yeah? Go I think eight and a half out of ten for the for the yeah. anthem, minus one point for the dress. So seven and a half out of ten. Um, but for the broadcast, look, the Johnny Herbert and and something oh, we haven't mentioned yet, the Johnny Herbert commentary earlier this week around, oh, let's replace Daniel Ricciardo with Pierre Gasly because Pierre Gasly is. You know, his history of performing, except for that time when he didn't perform at Red Bull, but that's fine. <laughs> um, it's just ridiculous and just doesn't help to, to no. anything. So the existence of those two, Damon Hill and, as you said, the, the two buffoons, which is very – I mean, it's, it's like the two old Muppets, oh, aren't they, sitting is, up in the it? thing yeah. and, and shouting, egging each other on down a certain yeah. path. All they're trying to do is find relevance, right? Yeah. And I've said this many times, Campy and Johnny Herbert have the same number of World Drivers Championships. <laughs> uh, but because Campy is younger, he's probably more relevant in Formula 1 than yeah. Johnny Herbert is anymore. So it is, it's watching these two older guys who are great in their day, well, certainly one of them was, yep. struggle for relevance. Yeah. And they're, they're leaning too heavily into the clickbaity crap, as I mentioned earlier, and it's just no good. So for that... Personally, I would be scoring it maybe three out of ten. Yeah, it has to be below a five, doesn't it? It's, oh yeah, it's below a pass. It was very boring. Oh, I think three's fair. I think it's a pretty rubbish one. Freya, any thoughts? So it sounds like great anthem and not much else. <laughs> the, the anthem <laughs> carried the ball. I mean, the fact that we're in Barker is worth at least two points there. Yeah, you do <laughs> oh, get yes. some great footage. Like yeah. there's some, oh. there some well placed cameras as well on that track. Yep. Like I think it's after the castle section and it's right on that corner where they go really wide yeah. looking at you yep. and you just get the most epic angle of them coming around yeah. us in the background so a so, couple of points for for some good scenery i still think they could do the castle section better i want to see some like get up and put something on the castle looking straight down like a bird's eye of them coming through really tight through there like yeah. Exploit it. At one point we were just kind of getting before the castle, after the castle. I was like, can we see like the tight section that's really interesting? Yeah. But that was kind of throughout the race. It just seemed like they weren't really relevant uh, getting the, getting any footage there really. But, yeah, three. It was it was pretty pretty poor. But <laughs> this is what we get when we just take Sky's feed. Let's talk about some uh, some news between Monaco and, and this race. And, of course, we've got – Canada very shortly after this one too. It's good to get into some quick fire races, but uh, we briefly mentioned, um, and it's so great having Manus back on the podcast. He is an absolute gem of an Irish Australian man, human Manus being. Manus the menace. Um, he absolutely is. Uh, and I know many of you who listen have really enjoyed having him on as well. He's He has great, great opinions and is exceptionally funny. Um, but it was interesting talking about with him and with Campy about Perez and the whole thing that we were, just, we were talking the morning after um, the Monaco Grand Prix and you know the, the contract extension that was kind of, kind of known about before yeah. he even walked off the podium. Um, but it's interesting now looking at what that means sort of for the Red Bull talent pool more widely, doesn't it? Because Pierre Gasly, of course, and we have always said that he shouldn't go back to Red Bull. But this is securing his, yep. I'm not going back to Red Bull. 
Um, he's even come out and said it's a logical decision for Red Bull Racing to secure Perez going yeah. forward um, and that he's in conversations with Red Bull management about what's next for him. But Freya, I mean, realistically, he needs to go somewhere else. He needs to go into a team that is more of a constructor, maybe Alpine or McLaren or somewhere else like that. But where does he go and when does he make that move? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like you said, where does he go? Like It's hard to say where there's an opening at the moment, especially if you look like someone like an Alpine, for example. They've got Oscar Piastri ready to go if they're, yeah. when they're ready to make a switch. McLaren have two contracted drivers, despite what everybody else seems to think <laughs> yeah. in terms of the, you know, like just how flimsy those apparently are. But, you know, so McLaren's a no-go, yep. Alpine's no-go. Uh, yeah, where does, where does he go next? Um, it's hard to see what a good move for him would be when he's, at the end of the day, doing well at AlphaTauri. You know, he's, for the most part, outperforming his his teammate this year. He hasn't been quite as reliable as he was last year in terms of just performances weekend on weekend. Um, but, yeah, I think don't, it's hard to say, to be honest. Tony, mm. what do you reckon? I don't reckon there is a logical spot, and that's no. kind of the weird thing about Formula at the moment is it's pretty sewn up. There's young talent coming through, but James and Campy hate that a <laughs> yeah. lot. Um, we learned that this, last week. There is this constant like push of new talent every single year and we've still got these drivers that aren't leaving Formula 1. So it's just kind of banking up this pool of talent in Formula 1 that we don't need. There's no real logical seat that's up for grabs right now, at least not a seat of a driver of Pierre's talent you would think mm. that he would want to shift to um, unless there becomes an opening at Mercedes, say, if if Lewis decides that he's doesn't want to follow around yeah. George all year and he's done. Uh, I don't think that's what Lewis will do, but there's there's every chance. If he's sick of having his spine shaken out of his head, <laughs> yeah. he might tap out. He might not um, have a choice, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think there's a logical spot and I would probably stay where where I was if I was him and maybe just try and do one-year contracts yep. kind of or – Sign a longer-term contract with the clause of, like, I'll leave when I want to leave beforehand. And that's it. Like, we talk about the challenge of being on short short contracts in terms of what that means when it comes to uncertainty for drivers and not feeling valued and that type of thing. But if that's actually your card to play yeah. and it's your decision, then it is quite different. And for you totally. it's actually more of a control factor of keeping your options open if something else does become exactly. available. And I think the other thing you have to be careful with someone like Gasly is that now he's kind of – he has only really driven – those two cars, one really for, for any period of time and then it's going to be even more difficult to change change teams and have to learn your car and everything exactly. else when something else is being built around you. So yeah. it's going to make a transition even more challenging when that does happen. Yeah, and, I mean, well, he's firmly out of our bin. Uh, there's nothing we yeah. can do about removing him from never really our for a long <laughs> time. Yeah. But, but we want to see him stay in the sport. It's interesting now looking, though, at the, the junior program. So... I think Yuki's probably doing enough to stay in Red Bull's junior talent program for a while. Will we, will we ever see him go to Red Bull Racing proper? Probably not, to be honest. I mean, there's plenty of other talent around that potential. Like, and I think what they've learnt with Sergio Perez is looking outside the pool yeah. and offering someone to come in is not necessarily so a bad thing. Can we thing get rid of Dr. Helmet now? <laughs> that would be great. Do, well, we need that ju- do we need that junior team? Because that hasn't yielded... No, the next anything has it? No, it hasn't. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting looking at Formula Two and you know likes of Armstrong and Liam Lawson and those guys who are who are strong. The problem is they're kind of similar ages now to Max and Lando and George. So whilst you know I'm like oh, I don't want young drivers in the sport, <laughs> fine. 
a lot of these talented guys are finding out that there's just no seats. And where do you go? India or Formula E? And it's a it's a it's a mm. waste of some of this talent, uh, and some of these characters like Liam Lawson. I think he's an absolute superstar, uh, and he has performed exceptionally well in DTM and done some other amazing things as well. It's it's a shame when you've got absolute morons like Lance Stroll who loves a barrier, still driving around. We we all know why he's there with Daddy's yeah. money. It's funny, Naomi Schiff said, oh, you know, the, at one point talking about DR, you know, there's the 20 fastest drivers on the grid. No, incorrect. They're not. Absolutely not. Uh, 18's of, fair. There's a, yeah. there's a lot of pay drivers here. Latifi, Joe, uh, and Stroll, the, you know, off the top of my head. Yep. But it's like, come on. And the thing is that, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, the more experienced drivers, you know, you're Alonzo, you're Vettel, like time to move on, guys. And you go, well, they're still contributing a lot to the sport. Yeah, they're they're still, their teammates. They're yeah. still, first of all, they're both actually competing well and being their teammates. Um, but they're also, you know, coaching young drivers. They're contributing to teams. They're helping teams to develop their cars and, you know, team dynamics and all that stuff. They're actively contributing um, in that way through the experience that they bring to the sport. Whereas you look at those three that you just named and you kind of ask, how are you bringing this sport forward? Which kid out there is like, can I please get a Lance Stroll T-shirt? Nah. You want a Seb Vettel T-shirt, don't you? Hilarious, isn't it? Like who who wants the merch of these guys? Like they're, they're not – they wouldn't have following because they're not – interesting characters and people like which is another crucial part of being in formula one because especially like we've seen with the netflix efficacious and americanization of formula one that is such an important part of growing the sport and arguably will net you more money and more recognition than winning races like being likable and being relatable absolutely it's funny we were talking with tara about this in miami uh, and she was saying that in the merch stands, everything had sold out except for number 18, Lance Stroll, Aston Martin gear, yeah. where you, like, I'm sure they couldn't have given it away for free. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of how bad it is. And you're absolutely right. Like, that's a, a big point about Formula One. Every time he puts it in the barrier, we're like, of course he did. Yeah. You know, there's no success anymore celebrating success or putting on a pole and, and the way that that team has changed from Racing Point and how they really were batting way above their average for such a long time, and you could see that the, how upset the uh, the team was when Sergio Perez left and then Vettel replaced him, which wasn't necessarily Seb's fault in a lot of ways, but mm. everything shifted, and there's no getting that back at all for this team until Lance Stroll leaves. Yeah, which can you see happening while Daddy owns the team? I actually think it's more viable than not actually more recently. More recently. With, his, mm. with, his, with the way he's driving at the moment, I think it's actually possible that they might go, you know what, you go race in Indy or something yeah. else. Like yeah. bugger off, we'll go put money into another team. That'll be Aston Martin Indy team or something. Like they'll do that just because it's actually like, come on, mate, we can't keep running this into the ground. No one cares about you. It's, it's becoming very apparent that you are here purely because your money – it was an argument maybe two years ago that he was talented enough to be where he was, but now it's like you're in such a good car and you're performing so poorly compared to your teammate who is so much older than you. Like all these things, like the car is literally your toy that your dad has bought for you and you're still underperforming. Yep. It's it's pretty telling when 
I mean, and we're just watching the highlights now and Seb, his little, I mean, that little turn he did, uh, he's yeah. it's such a shame oh, he couldn't get past. But yeah. little turn he did in the uh, runoff was, was pretty fantastic. But when he's 10 places up the road from you, yeah, you know, in sixth, in a very competitive grid, I mean, yes, it is the the green Red Bull. If your teammate overshoots a corner, has to do a spin and come back on and he's still in front of you, you're done, mate. Like that is way too far. That was like how many laps into the race? Not that many. Like you shouldn't be that far off your teammate that early on. That's, yeah, poor. Well, let's talk about qualifying and immediately put Lance Stroll back in the bin. (laughs) I know we haven't taken him out, but uh, he hit a barrier in Q1. uh, And the point here is that the front wing is still very strong. Uh, yeah. he, he punted it front on into a barrier. Um, and then when the red flag happened, I was like, oh, can't have been from that same incident. He's probably stuffed it somewhere else. Sure enough. Sure enough. T2 <laughs> punts it into the barrier by, I think he just continued on the same set of tyres that he flat spotted, So which he would have done because of, of yeah. getting into the barriers. But, again, it's just like, of course he did. Yeah. Right? It was unfortunately an all too familiar qualifying, especially with those bottom five with Stroll doing Stroll things and ruining everybody else's qualifying. And yeah. then both the Hasses and the Williams, oh, this is just a bit too familiar actually. Yeah. Didn't like how some of that kind of settled to what we're used to. You kind of yeah. hope that that's maybe just a bit of something going on, you know, at, at Baku and we'll see what happens in, in Canada. But um yeah, that was an all too all too familiar end to qualifying for me. Or yeah. start to qualifying. We thought we got rid of that, didn't we? Like we were looking this year was looking good that we were having a real mix in qualifying, and now it's kind of settled back to those bottom ones being eliminated in the first round. Yep, and it's unfortunate that some of these teams like Alfa Romeo and Haas carrying this Ferrari power unit, having big Ferrari power unit issues. Um, in qualifying too, the the restart after the red flag in Q1 was absolute mayhem. Absolute mayhem. <laughs> There's at one point where it's like, okay, quite literally uh, this many people can get through. It's going to be chaos. Like, yeah. You just need to call it. Like, or, hey, you know what the smart thing is? Let's add two minutes. Like, yeah. let's just make a rule. If we have a red flag and it's under a certain amount of time, we just reset it to five minutes or six minutes or something. That makes sense. That's safe. Like, yeah. The only it's the only time Mick Schumacher was able to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Over the whole weekend, <laughs> as he got past Lando, I think, yeah. uh, getting his elbows out to try and get some track position. Um, but what I thought was really interesting is in those laps, there was some interesting timings going on. But Fernando was in such a good spot that he had to go off in inverted commas down a slip road and caused a yellow flag <laughs> reminiscent of Michael Crafty. Schumacher and Nico Rosberg in Monaco going, oh, no, I've got an issue with the car. i got to go straight on and completely Crafty. causing some issues for all the cars behind. Um, but, again, hashtag wily old racer that he <laughs> is. Um, and this is how the grid looked. It was Charles Leclerc on pole, and that's uh, the first driver to, to do this uh, twice, this pole, um, for this race, I should say. Uh, which is also bad because no one apparently ever wins from pole as <laughs> disca- yeah. as shown today. Like, I don't want pole position. Yeah, exactly. yeah really. Um, Perez, though, uh, was faster than Verstappen in every session, including this one. Our qualified uh, Verstappen in second. Signs in fourth. Russell uh, ahead of Gasly, ahead of Hamilton. Sonoda, Vettel was a surprise up in Aston Martin in ninth. Alonso, Norris, Ricardo, McLaren, um, probably where they wanted, uh, sorry, not where they wanted to be, where they expected to be listening to Andreas Seidel. Uh, and, you know, we were, try- we were saying 
in leading up to this weekend that for for Daniel, he doesn't necessarily need to be beating Lando at the moment. It's very clear that Lando's better with the car than Daniel is. It's very clear that McLaren have made the decision that they're going to develop the car around what Lando wants rather than what Daniel wants. Um, but what he needs to do is just match pace and hold on. And qualifying just behind your teammate, for yep. me, is good enough in that respect. For sure. Uh, Ocon uh, ahead of Joe, who outqualified Valtteri Bottas, who was in 15th. So that was a good weekend for Ocon always just qualifying 13th. I feel like that's like <laughs> you should put a plaque on 13th for him. <laughs> and Gasly in 6th as well. Yeah, <laughs> Gasly in 6th, you're right. You're not so wrong. right. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um, but yeah, Joe Guan Yu had a had a, a very good outing. Valtteri Bottas couldn't quite get it connected. He was almost uh, out in Q one. The elimination zone was was marginal. He was ahead of Kevin Magnussen in sixteenth, and Alex Albon and Nick Latifi seventeenth, eighteenth. Useless stroll in nineteenth, and Mick Schumacher in twentieth. Uh, and as he said, Freya, it's kind of lining up now exactly where we expect. Uh, sort of that 2021 vibes, which is a massive shame because we really would have thought Williams, we kind of hoped Williams would be further ahead. And the Haas as well. But mm. then that Ferrari power unit and the reliability seems to be creeping into it massively. So, yeah, you hope that things will shake up again maybe after they have the summer break or whatever it might be. You might see people coming back just with a different energy, which you saw yeah. last year, which can be enough to really – they're approaching races differently with their teams and teammates and that type of thing. But you just hope that, especially I'm thinking about Haas in particular, but that they can sort out those reliability issues because we've seen that K-Mag has absolutely got the raciness um, of K-Mag of previous years and now he's got the car to do it in if it can make it to the end of a race. Yeah, you feel sorry for him, don't you? Like he's come back after taking time off. He's found that love for it again because he's had to leave it alone for two years or whatever he was out of the sport. He's come back and the machinery is just betraying him when he's in good positions doing good things. That's just got to be the most frustrating thing when it's nothing to do with like you and it's not your fault at all. Yeah. Let's talk about the race now. Uh, we love this Grand Prix. It is such a it is my favorite. stunning yeah. looking track. <laughs> we were just saying watching it that uh, we all want to go next year. So uh, maybe we should get a Lakeside Drive party yep. going in Azerbaijan in Baku. That would be outstanding. Um, but it was an interesting start. To the race, you called Perez to, to it. lead it, um, and it didn't <laughs> even one. take him into turn one to be yeah. able to do it. Yeah, I mean that was the move right there because you start on the inside of that corner. If you get a good start, you're you're on for it, and no one's going to want to risk their race and kind of do what uh, happened last year where you go straight on. Uh, so you're going to want to kind of be conservative and go, no, 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 I'm just going to stick into this. It's not worth riding off my whole race. I'll I'll stay close. But pe- credit to Perez, he made the move stick, but we'll, we'll talk about it a bit later, I'm sure. Was it actually worthwhile? Mm. Uh, maybe he could have just made that move and not tried to bring a 10-second lead within a lap. Maybe yep. he could have yeah. just <laughs> conserved some tyres. But no, it was an excellent move and exactly what you want to start a Grand Prix. The, uh, the next point is my beginning of just absolutely putting McLaren and Lando Norris firmly in an on-fire dumpster inside another dumpster that's on fire, inside a massive garbage compactor that's on fire because what an absolute joke and shit fight of a situation McLaren have been this weekend. I have never seen the absolute ridiculousness that I've seen especially with this. So on lap eight, Daniel very professionally asks 
or says to the team, if if this is all the pace that Lando's got, that's fine, but I've got more. I've got more, yeah. Also, different tyre strategies, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Then, Freya, what happened? What was the callback? Oh, my goodness. I just – Oh, sorry, I'm getting very frustrated physically here as well. For those who can see <laughs> arms me. everywhere. Ev- arms are just everywhere. The trying to overcut like Alonso, not only did it just not work because it was not even remotely possible from where they were on the track, but completely exposed DR to Gasly. For like laps. For which he's and he called it. He said, If you if I if I can't move forward here, I'm gonna get eaten up by Gasly, and it's exactly what happened. Yep. And we know that he had that Gasly had so much more pace going in the straight line speed, and just the inevitable happened, and it was just painful watching it play out and exactly what he he could see happening. And then to have Lando <laughs> at the end, like, oh, I think I might be. Oh, just come on, mate. He was a child, an yeah. absolute child. And then I think we heard the engineer at the end saying. Okay, so if, you know, DR can't get up closer to Alonso, then we'll have a look at it later. Are you happy? Sorry, why are we asking him if he's happy? Placating the baby. No, absolutely. Mm. Just, yeah, absolute rage over here. McLaren, just sort your shit out, honestly. Yeah. Placate the baby, absolutely. Uh, And he is that. And he's certainly not a top five driver when he's he's behaving like that. That kind of ridiculous, petulant attitude is absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that he had to quit back and say, oh, so what? Like, so what? Like, oh, it's all about strategy earlier on in the race. You know, we, why do I have to hold position now? Well, mate, because DR suffered for you in that time. Yep. It's now your turn to do the same and he couldn't do it. And that shows how shit of a driver this guy is. And not willing to do the team thing as well. Like, okay, they've done it once in, in Monza, but even then, asked if that was the best yeah. position for the team to be in. Um, and then again here to say, you know, oh, that was about strategy, but this is different. Well, we're in this position because of you actually, so yeah. um, you can sit right where you Daniel are. Daniel has fresher tyres, so you can't even make the argument that you've got more pace or tyres or whatever behind with three laps to go and you finally got into DRS range and now you want to swap? Like how about be closer five, six, seven laps earlier when you should have been then we can have a conversation, mate. And if you're going to actually catch Alonso, let's talk about it. You weren't. You were nowhere near catching Alonso. So shut up and sit back where you were, take your points and go away. And opening DRS on lap 50 yeah, of 51, dick. are you serious? You like, what dick. are you doing? And you've been told to hold position. Yeah. Like, just absolutely maddening just, rage. Just <laughs> The fact that you opened DRS on that last lap to try and get as close as you can to the line, just – that's just unnecessary. There was a 20-second gap or something from the guy behind, I think. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was nowhere near you. You just had to cruise. Like, I don't know why you were doing that and potentially jeopardising everything. But where's it's- the strategy for McLaren? Like, what's, what's happened with this team? They are cementing themselves as a average midfield team more and more races that I see. You cannot tell me that it made, didn't make sense to swap as soon as possible and let Lando race Gasly. They were selling out for Lando strategy only today. Yeah. If they had have switched, let Daniel proceed, even use Lando as a rear gunner for two laps to build up a gap and then pit him because he had to pit anyway, you might as well have given Daniel a couple of laps, make sure he's got space so no one has DRS on him to continue on, maximize those tires and then – 
hey, we had a flag that meant Daniel got a free pit stop. Who would have thought? That's exactly what his strategy was. That worked. But the fact that he had to fight for so long behind Lando in DRS for a good 20 laps, wearing out his tyres way more than he had. If he could have gone way longer on those tyres, he probably had would have had pace to push yep. knowing that as well. It's just they sold out completely for Lando and that just jeopardised everything about Daniel's race and he still managed to beat him. I just think it's Richard McLaren where Zach comes out and says he's not meeting expectations and then Daniel is faster than Lando and they don't invest in actually backing him up. Yep. Like they completely stuffed his race up until the point where, I mean, thanks K-Mag for yeah. causing, yeah. you know, K-Mag's done that. Where else did he do that? In um, Bahrain a couple of years ago that caused that. He closed yeah. the pit lane, didn't he? Um, that It was just like if it wasn't for that virtual safety car, then DR would have had a pit. And I, we were all like, oh, if, if this pit stop is slower than three and a half seconds, oh. yeah, it, it's going to really be nervous there. very, <laughs> very telling. If this is his best pace, I've got more is what DR said on the radio as I see it pop up on the screen. Yeah. Um, exceptionally professional can, yeah. compared to Lando. And Always. regardless of what you think, honestly, and yes, I know you keep saying this, that I'm DR biased, but regardless of what you think about this situation, there is a reason why DR is a top five driver and that is purely it. Mm-hmm. He is not a petulant child. He doesn't behave. He doesn't act out rather when when daddy, mummy, and daddy say no. You got to hold position. Yeah. Why? You know, think back to Russia. Lando change the tires. No, shut up. Like yeah. the guy has not matured at all. No. Uh, and it's it's fine that McLaren want to try and like smooth things over by posting silly photos of DR and Lando. But in my mind, it was just absolutely no competition. Yeah. Um, and then look, it's interesting. Some of you listening. Uh, have said, oh, well, you know, here are the facts and Daniel's just not as fast. Yeah, that's true. But also if you don't want to listen to this podcast, find other podcasts or start your own <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Like I just don't care. This There are so many of you who are Australians and also people from around the world who love DR who absolutely support it. Uh, and it feels like, TT, we've been the only podcast, at least in the last couple of weeks, that has been totally supportive of DR the entire time and not gone, oh, well, he should just leave and do something else. Well, we're not shying away from like he's struggling. Like – We'll, we'll admit the things that are going wrong, but you can't deny the guy is the utmost professional. Yeah, he's funny. He's a character. Would you say he's a consummate professional? <laughs> Ooh, yes, he is. Would you he's say that he's a consummate professional and you can buy that T-shirt now on the Lakeside Drive that website? <laughs> that is on the Lakeside Drive website. Yes, that we do have new merch. But he, as soon as that helmet goes on, as soon as he's in that mode, he's so professional. We've never heard him speak out of turn. He's so professional on the radio. He's always just trying to do the best he possibly can as opposed to Lando, which flips like he's all sweet and fun outside. And then he flips it on. He turns into a brat. He is the biggest brat. We just feel that Daniel isn't getting a fair shake in this car at the moment. And that's kind of what we've, we've been talking about on this podcast. He hasn't had a fair go to showcase his talents and maximize opportunities because he's not been given those opportunities. And he's a brat who hasn't won a race yet as well. He hasn't won a race. <laughs> yep. And and has only ever driven one car, a car that has been built around him and knows nothing else and hasn't had to adapt his style at all. So, you know, go and actually do something yeah. that is challenging and is making you adjust and everything else and win yeah. and then you can talk about it. He but. seems like 
the grade six kids at the end of primary school who think they're top shit because they've been at <laughs> primary school for so long. I know this. This is my yeah. school now. I'm in charge of everyone. And, like, unfortunately, he hasn't got that rude surprise when you go to year seven and you're the bottom of the totem pole again. <laughs> like, and that's kind of what he needs, is a bit of a shake-up to be a bit less comfortable because he feels like he owns McLaren and McLaren are kind of playing into that, unfortunately, which sucks for Daniel. Exactly. It's being encouraged, which is yep. really hard to watch. He's been, there has been the, the reactions to that side of things, though, and in particular reactions even to Zach's comments have been quite interesting Yeah, in terms of people like – Jensen Button coming out and saying that's an awkward situation for your yep. team to be in now that you've said those things. Um, and there have been, we talked about Paul DeResta and um, I think even uh, Lawrence at one point saying, well, actually, wait a second, let's look at the other side of the facts mm. whereby mechanical issues, these mm. issues, you know, bad luck when it came to, you know, a couple of accidents here and there, you know, your grid place at the end of any, any of these races isn't telling the full picture. Yeah, exactly. So you've got other professionals out there who are actually trying to tell the other side of the story, which is interesting to see. This isn't the, the clickbaity headlines are getting all of the Lando fans, uh, you know, all riled up and saying, oh, yeah, Daniel needs to leave. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, shout out to AB2021 on Discord who says, of Lando Norris, you can tell he was the kid who rode the scooter at the skate park just to mess <laughs> with everyone. <laughs> He's a scooter kid, you're so right. That is absolutely spot on. Uh, It's interesting, we're just watching um, Behind You, Freya, DR, talk to Naomi Schiff on Skywall or we can't hear it. You can tell by his body language that he's pretty, sort of seems quietly confident, doesn't he? Yep. Um, One of the things that I will say about Daniel is he's he's very good at surrounding himself with the right people. Uh, And you can go back and listen to... TT, my chat with Michael Italiano, uh, DR's trainer from last year, um, and that was really insightful because, you know, we could absolutely know for the last couple of weeks that Mike will be like, cool, mate, just put your phone down or whatever. Let's just focus on you being you. We know how good you are. Um, get it sorted out. And he'll be keeping him down to earth. Now, it's very likely that Lando doesn't have that. A lot of the other kids don't have that uh, in the sport. So I think we'll see now this little bit of a lift in confidence for DR to be able to come through. Um, but, uh, yeah, good luck, McLaren PR team, to, you know, try and sort this out and not have people turn against you because – They're lucky Daniel's such a professional well, because he's going to make wrong. it as Honestly, easy as possible. Yeah. This yeah. week would have been so tough for him, but we've seen nothing, no little snaps back, nothing. He's just been super professional and that's what we've come to expect from him. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's go through our team by team analysis. And oddly, we're starting with Ferrari, who had a double DNF. Oof, is um, absolutely <laughs> correct. Uh, Frey, let's start with you. Carlos Sainz cannot get any luck this year. He is the opposite of Lewis Hamilton for his seven on the trot. It just cannot pick up anything. Can't, and it's just it's so hard to watch where. Right, right where it feels like he's starting to get a bit more comfortable again or something's going well, like last week um, in Monaco, and then all of a sudden that luck is gone again and you suddenly feel like, you know, it's, we're, we're back, he's back in the <laughs> Back wherever bad luck lives, I don't know where that is. Because <laughs> yeah. they're back somewhere. I don't know where all the bad luck lives. Apparently, wherever <laughs> he does, has where Carlos is. Finally. Yeah, yeah. So no, it's really hard to watch. And you hope that again, maybe there's something over the summer break. Um, once we get through the next couple of races, go reset um, and you know work on the 
work on the car during that time as well um, and hopefully get some some more reliable results in the second half of the season. But much like, you know, we're talking about DR struggling to perform partially because of the car that he's got, we know that Carlos is an incredible racer. He's got incredible race yep. craft, seen it over years at multiple teams and right now he just doesn't have a reliable car to get the results in. Yep. And when he does, he gets results like he did last week. So yeah. That was the one thing I wanted to talk to Freya about because we both missed out on last week's podcast was – how good was it to see yeah. him making good decisions, him telling the team to get stuffed, I know yep. what I'm doing. Yep. That's the Carlos that we both like. Uh, all three of us actually really like Carlos as a, as a racer and it was good to see him be successful. But then something like this, completely out of his hands, like there's nothing he can do. And you just see that guy really has some poor luck that probably like four times a season it feels like over the last couple of years – have just like DNF out of nowhere, nothing to do with him. And he, you just can't come back from that against your teammate. And those kind of results, you you would hope here, just say Leclerc did have a, a failure this week, like he still did. You'd hope that that would be the week that Carlos would do well. But no, he's always got a DNF as well or something else goes wrong. He can't capitalise on those, those random mistakes because it's always happening to him. No, it does seem to be happening to him. And the weeks that it happens to him and not to Charles, for example, it means that you then start getting those points gap opening yep. up and then, well, then you have to play the team game as you yep. get towards the rest of the season in order to, you know, put the team first. And it doesn't tell the story. And it doesn't yeah. tell the story and you don't get to see him at his best. So... Yeah, I hope he gets a bit more luck. and But then also in those situations where he does get that, um, he we also see what we saw last week, which was him making his own decisions, really acting with confidence and, yeah. and, and taking good options. So, but yeah, he just needs to have the reliability to do it. Charles Leclerc also DNFing as well with a very smoky power unit. Uh, is... It's interesting, isn't it? Because we're talking, and as I said at the very top of the episode, uh, that Red Bull's reliability issues would be the woes for this year. And it is now completely flipped. How the turntables. Uh, how the turntables <laughs> indeed, <laughs> TT. Um, and now we've got four Ferrari power unit cars all retiring in this, in this race. What's going on? Because they seem to have, and I kept saying, they seem to have the most consistent and well-rounded package that looks really good. So if something happens with one of the Red Bulls from a reliability point of view, then Carlos or, or Charles should be there to be able to, to pick mm. up the pieces. But a double DNF in Azerbaijan, and, and especially when looking at the, the championship standings at the moment, Max is now on 150 points. Sergio is behind him in second and 129, and Charles is on 116, Jeez. which is phenomenal. Uh, and Red Bull now 279 to 199 for Ferrari. So this neck and neck sort of swapping different races for, for championships. Watch Mercedes like, slide into that gap. Yeah, they will. <laughs> yep. Like, so Mercedes currently on 161 points in third and McLaren's in fourth on 65. So uh, McLaren, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tari, Haas, Aston Martin, Williams, nowhere near any of those positions. But, yeah, Mercedes is still there. I mean, and it, it's been luck, hasn't it, that Russell's been able to get onto some of these podiums and be able to make that work. But... It's all they can do at the moment. Mm. We'll come to Mercedes in, in a bit. But, yeah, Charles Leclerc just can't seem to get luck either at the I moment. I was in two minds, wasn't I? I was very You were very excited. And then also like, poor guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd like to you see don't know how you, you don't know how you feel about him, do you? I know he's an excellent driver. Mm. I really think he's likable. 
Mm. But I like Carlos much more. Yes, I think we can all agree with that. That's what it is. I just don't. I don't think it's a Leclerc problem. I think it's I like Carlos more. But I do like to see Ferrari fail because it is kind of funny. It is. (laughs) What's classic Ferrari? Especially after this, like they come out, like we've got the best car. They dominate testing. They do all this, and then they just go, "Well, we're done for the year. We bloody we've sewn this championship up. Let's just not try anymore." And then it just all falls down. And that's kind of what it looks like right now. Is that car just? Is not getting developed any further. The updates they're bringing aren't helping. The porpoising is coming back. All these kind of things, and they can't get a car to finish. And the the teams that they're supplying engines are, are dealing with the same problems. It's super frustrating. Paul Leclerc has had so many opportunities to do well, and well, Carlos as well. And the car has failed them both. When early on, that was the thing that was keeping them in against Red Bull. But you'd argue Red Bull's managed theirs much better and the drivers, despite the mechanical issues, are in much better positions now than the, the Ferrari counterparts. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely spot on, uh, especially about signs over Leclerc. <laughs> although although I will say, and I've said it. It's you know, not you, it's me. Top yeah. five driver is, is Leclerc, not signs. But my yeah. heart my heart says signs should be absolutely there. Uh, he still hasn't got a win. He hasn't. Ugh. And he's such a – but he's such a – He's got such great hair. Who's going to get a win <laughs> first, Lando or Carlos? Carlos has to be. Yeah. That's what we want. Ugh, has to be. I feel like it's more likely too. Especially with that car. Yeah. Goodness, compared to everything else that's going on. Uh, let's talk about Haas. One of the things that uh, I wanted to mention, and um, KMAG DNFing uh, looks like an overheating issue, but uh, Schumacher in 14th, KMAG helping out DR. So thanks, KMAG. Good guy, KMAG. Um, yeah, one of the things that I thought was interesting is watching Haas slip further back down the grid, they're not bringing upgrades. And they're probably not bringing upgrades because they can't afford to bring upgrades because Mick Schumacher keeps crashing and yeah. demolishing the car so much mm. that there is, with all this cost cap, and they'll be wanting to do it properly, this yeah. cost cap, they're just like, well, okay, well, we were going to spend some money developing this, but now we don't have that because we had to replace all these parts that we know work already. So potentially, Tommy, there's that kind of thing working out there too. Just develop it and just lie. lie. Say, <laughs> just Be go, any of the other teams. Go start a separate company, do all the research as that company, and then sell it for a dollar back to Haas. Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't know. That's do what in, everyone else is doing. Do it in the NASCAR honest. team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you guys doing on developing aero for NASCAR? It's an interesting ground effect NASCAR. Don't ask. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we're trying to make a car that doesn't just go left. What <laughs> um, a Ferrari power unit. There must be enough in the car that inspires them to lie. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's it's already built Allegedly. In. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's going to be half their issue is as well is the reliability is coming from that power unit more than it is anything else. Yeah, um, yeah. Hot desking in the Ferrari space <laughs> hasn't been working well. It seems it's kind of rubbing off that kind of laziness. Maybe they're getting roped into some early lunches and <laughs> kind of stuff like that. They just kind of like not doing their homework. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's then kind of lining up with Ferrari's success early. You know, the first yeah. half of the first half of the season. Um, they were doing very well, both Haas. Uh, and that sort of throws back to the first year of Drive to Survive, which is a 2018 season and then 2017, you think about Haas in Australia. Yep. Phenomenally quick. Um, and they stuff their pit stops. So there is that old school kind of vibes again as we're sort of seeing Haas and Williams uh, down the back. Well, that's kind of what we've seen in previous iterations of, of the sport as well. Um, but there was some conversation around Schumacher and in amongst all the absolute ridiculousness of, oh, DR needs to retire immediately to save face with him in McLaren. 
there was kind of this underlying current as well, Freya, about, well, if Schumacher keeps crashing, then should Haas just move him on? Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. And he's still, you kind of forget how new he is to the sport as well, though. So, I mean, yeah, there's moments that I, I wonder whether he's, you know, in that top 20 category mm. um, of drivers. I Personally, I don't think he is. I think Oscar, Oscar Piastri is better. But does that mean that you immediately bin him because he hasn't got the results just yet? Maybe not because mm. he's still a rookie really. Um, but it will be hard. If he, if he gets to the end of the season, he still hasn't scored a point. That's going to be pretty hard to argue with. Yeah, that's going to that's really, going to be really tough, I think, yeah. for him to come back. I mean, from. how long did George Russell do it for? Like three seasons or something. So yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> and he's now on screen with like a point every race. Yeah, yeah. This year, so and that's where I think you've got to be careful with with the newer drivers in terms of just not kind of throwing them out when they haven't performed in their first or second yeah. season. You do need that opportunity, and you need an opportunity in the right car. Mm. And so you, you did start seeing a few better performances from him earlier in the year, but not quite in, in the points yet. But certainly seemed to have a bit more confidence. He's got good mentorship and things like that. Mm. And you do wonder if you just need to give it a bit of time. Unfortunately, it's just such a ruthless sport that he yeah. may or may not get it. But um, he will probably have more of an opportunity than others will because he does seem to be somebody who people – uh, just generally warm too. Perhaps that's the name, um, yeah. but also you know a good a good team player and somebody who is is good to be around as well, which goes a long way. Mm. And it is really interesting. We could talk about other drivers as well. You know, again with all of the controversy with DR. Yes, we can argue about his quality of racing or whatever it might be, but there's as many people coming out saying, no, we need to keep him in sport because he's an incredible character, yep. and. That is important as well to this. And I think for Mick, um, you know, he is somebody that seem, people seem to like working with um, and and warm to. So that will help him to buy the time potentially yeah. while he gets more confidence and hopefully gets some results. On that note, if he does move on, here's, here's – I've just fleshed it out of my head as you were speaking, Freya. <laughs> oh, good. This will be good. I can't wait to see Daniel, where this goes. tell McLaren to get staffed, go to Haas, be the face of the American team where they all love him. Haas will become good. There you go. That's it. That's your whole. He'll make so process. much more money in sponsorship and goodwill, and he'll be the king of that team. He'll drag Haas forward. He'll do a Bottas, and he'll drag that kind of lower team up to the top, get points, be way better than his teammate, and he'll make so much more money in sponsorship, being like the face of the American team, which we're about to have Vegas. We've got Miami. We've got. We've still got Austin. We've got all these American races happening. Just you heard it here first <laughs> as it just came out of my brain five minutes ago. Well done. So just wanted to get ahead of everything just in case it does happen. Great. It's not going to happen. And <laughs> it won't. But. And it shouldn't. I'll be very clear. It shouldn't. The only, the only American thing that needs to happen is if Andretti gets in the sport, then he can go and be the, the face of the Andretti team. Uh, and that's as likely as <laughs> – Johnny Zach, Herbert winning a World Brand Drivers Championship. To <laughs> well, to United, no, yeah. to a different, to a different, well, kind of in a partnership with V8 Supercars and yeah. his Extreme E team. So kind of yes. <laughs> kind yeah. of yes. No, actually, don't do that. He doesn't deserve <laughs> any kind of funny comment. Yes, you're not wrong. Uh, let's talk about Williams. Latifi uh, got about 17 penalties um, for things, <laughs> including and not limited to 
ignoring blue flags and having a mechanic touching a car after, 15, after the 15 second warning has gone. Um, he overshot ha- his pit box. <laughs> which didn't matter because it was just the start. You're going to get a penalty anyway. No, it wasn't. No, it, it wasn't was the actual start. It was, no, it was the formation lap. He was, was it? He was, so they pushed, oh, they pushed so the cars pushed back, the car back to do a bit of a burnout to lay some fresh rubber down so when they do come up to start, there's, anyway. Yep. But like- Mate, he looked around. Yeah, no one else is touching cars. He still did it anyway. Like, Jos Capito is going to boot you as fast than anything else. Latifi hasn't had great luck with his engineers at Baku. Last year was um, the, what was the debacle? It was like, come into the pits, come into the pits. No, 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 we stay out, in stay a, yeah, out. In that a, was, in that a, was yeah. last year. Um, I think they told him, or maybe it was, they told he him to race. stay out, but oh, absolute mess. And then this year... Engineers are just touching cars when they're not meant to, and then just why not add ignoring blue threat flags into the mix? Just <laughs> maybe he shouldn't come back to Baku. Yeah, well, it's unlikely to be honest that he's <laughs> coming back to Formula One at all. <laughs> it is, yeah. And uh, our disc, one of our Discord moderators, LBS, it will be there to um, escort him around the the grid walk, no doubt, as his personal bodyguard, um, form, formerly secret bodyguard until I called it out. Um, <laughs> so I was about it, but. Uh, yeah, for, for both Latifi and Albon. Albon finished in 12th, apparently. He didn't see bloody anything of didn't him, Tommy see T. Didn't anything, no. did we? They, they, those cars were invisible as far as I concerned. Like, did not see a thing. We were very occupied with a lot of Alonso and some McLaren battles and stuff, so we can't really complain all that much. But, yeah, just did not see those cars whatsoever. I don't think I saw Alphas either, to be honest. No. no. There was one move I think Joe did on someone – couldn't even tell you who it was. On someone. Couldn't even tell you who it was. <laughs> and it was nice. it just happened. And it was, and it was like, DNF oh, that's and Joe. Was, yeah. Oh, yeah. And as someone said in Discord, where's his money going? They can't bloody get the car sorted out. <laughs> yeah. It's a um, Wonder car. Well, let's talk about it from where. So, so yeah. For, <laughs> <laughs> got into just funding his his cycling. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah. For, for Valtteri Bottas finishing 11th, just outside the points, is just slightly frustrating for him. Uh, Joe Guan, you having a DNF and look, as I've said a couple of times, I mean, he's the rookie, the only rookie this season. Um, he's got a great person to learn from in Valtteri Bottas, who is so much happier this year, Freya, oh. than he was last year. Uh, and unfortunately he's had, and I haven't looked this up, but he's probably had the most issues out of anyone on the grid. Yeah. It didn't really do much this, yeah, this race. We kind of um, were looking around, like I said, Williams invisible, Alpha didn't see them either. Um, I'm worried that it might actually have been the horrific livery that in fact made him <laughs> yeah. like the old pizza box. Bad. I mean, he ate a lot of pizza, put the pizza box as a new livery, and that's why they're so slow. I don't know. That's so my theory. It's made out of like soggy oil filled cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> that should exactly. be in the recycling bin. <laughs> smells like pepperoni. <laughs> it's not from a reputable pizza outlet. <laughs> No. So, yeah, it was a bit disappointing because he, he had an exciting start to the season and like you said, we do seem to be so much happier there but um, didn't really do much this weekend. No. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Ferrari power unit so it's unlikely that if he tried to do anything with it that he would have able to survive the race anyway, to be honest. Uh, let's talk about McLaren. Uh, DR finishing ahead of his teammate. Wow, what a surprise. Uh, in eighth, ahead of ninth, we've already spoken about this, but... Um, for McLaren, though, as a whole, apart from being incredibly dumb and terrible with strategy oh. and unable to get a car that works well, really for either of them, let's be clear, we, we're talking about one of these points that we raised last weekend. Yeah, okay, Lando's outperforming, but he's still not winning races or championships with this yep. car. 
So James Key needs to either bugger off himself because he's like the last time they've made a car that was any good, guess who was designing it? Adrian Newey. Yep. And that was Mika Hakkinen, yep. you know, winning, winning championships. So th- it's been a long time yep. since it was any good. And look, yes, um, for, for Lewis Hamilton, of course, getting his first championship in 2008 uh, was pretty decent as well. But for for the, the rap sheet that Adrian Newey has compared to anyone else, and I yeah. said this to someone the other day, McLaren need to go with as much money as possible to Adrian Newey <laughs> in one of their other subsidiary companies and say, come back to McLaren. You've had your fun at Red Bull. Must be pretty boring drinking all that stuff now. Come back over here and help design a car because we know, TT, that DR loves an Adrian Newey car. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious he had a lot of success driving that way. And you'd still argue even with how Perez is driving, uh, he was this, the best slash second best with Max at driving those cars designed by Adrian Newey. Um Whatever it is, the way they're taking this McLaren, Daniel does not like. It is kind of this middle – it's it's not fast like it was last year. Like last year at least it had a lot of pace. It was so fast out of corners. Its exit speed was incredible. This was the slowest car down the straight this week and that was yeah. disappointing to see. I don't know what they've done to go so far backwards, but they're sitting dark. And in a sport where overtaking is now done on straights – as opposed to kind of through corners and complexes, it's done with DRS at the end of straights where you've gained enough speed and you outbreak someone. Mm. You need to have top speed. It is crucial and that is the one thing the McLaren lacks. Yeah, and they had so much more downforce than the Alpine of Fernando Alonso who was in front who had... Did he even have a wing? Didn't even have a rear wing. Uh, <laughs> I think he had. they had some paper and just sort of glued the paper sort of yeah. that way across. Um, but... Yeah, okay, so DR was faster than than Fernando in Sector 1 and Sector 2, but Fernando was pulling purples for a lot of that race in Sector 3, mm-hmm. and that's, as you say, TT, apart, unless you're going to get it up in um, between turns 2 and, and 3 in that's that straight it. there, that's the spot. it's hard to do. And yep. when that's another straight and that's your rewind I mean. doesn't exist, yeah. basically. So the point stands, yeah. You know, it's that. So yeah. what else is going wrong with that car in the slower corner sections of this track, especially that with that amount of downforce fray that, you know, we need to have that so DR or both Lando can feel comfortable. I think that's it. And that's that the conversation between DR and, and Lando has kind of do, been dominated so much by just who's outperforming whom as opposed to going, neither of you are doing exceptionally well here. Yep. Um, and sure, it does look like um, Norris is getting a bit more out of the car at the moment. We've talked a lot about that. But you do worry that the development is not going in the right direction. It's really problematic. And you take when I worry about, you know, when we get to Monza, for example, they're meant to be fast there. Don't think they're going no. to be. You know, not with what we saw today and with the, the, the speed of that that straight, mm-hmm. um, there's plenty more tracks on the calendar that are not going to suit the way they seem to be, the way that car seems to handle at the moment and yeah. and just how slow they are on those straights yeah. as well. I think that's the biggest point. That McLaren is not a winning car. So whatever you've got set as a benchmark, throw it out because yeah. it's not working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that car is not finished. Why are we set on this is the way we're going just because Lando's done slightly better? It doesn't mean you continue in that direction. It's probably completely fundamentally wrong, go back the other way where you know that the best drivers in the world, like a car that is towy that they can throw in and they can just hang on for dear life and correct it throughout corners. That is how every championship driver likes it. There's no one that likes these conservative kind of cars and 
that's kind of what they've built is this conservative kind of understeering car. And Daniel's telling you that it's not going to win. It's not going to do anything. And you've got no confidence in it because it's always just going to plow straight on into walls as opposed to spin out the rear end and like, oh, cool, I can hang on to that and save it and use my talent. You'd always prefer to drive an oversteering car. And that's what people like Max, people like Hamilton, all these past champions always liked a car that they could kind of wrangle and hang on to as opposed to kind of like force through corners Mm. and it's struggling because it just wants to keep going straight. I'm just watching DR to be completely off of your point, sorry, (laughs) at a press conference with Fernando Alonso behind him and DR's doing up and down motions with his hand and then going, oh, my back and leaning over (laughs) and Fernando nodding and agreeing heavily with him. Uh, Look, yeah, I think you're right. I I think, though, it's potentially the other way around. I think DR likes an understeer car rather than oversteer. Similar principles apply, though, in, in that... If, if you understand what the car is doing, and we're talking about minimum minimum speed through... He, with the Red Bull and an Adrian Newey designed car, he was able to carry a higher minimum speed through corners than other drivers were. We talk about last of late breakers. It wasn't the fact that he just wasn't breaking to the very end necessarily. It was that when he got off the brakes, it was comfortable enough for the car and the speed of the car that he was able to get through at a higher speed and get on the accelerator earlier where that's where he would make that sort of that margin. Uh, and McLaren doesn't have that. And I think you're absolutely right about it. Like throw it all out because Mercedes have thrown mm-hmm. it all out. They came out and said, we could, there's several directions. Well, mate, yeah, everyone always has several directions yeah. and making it faster. But whatever the direction they've gone in, at least for George, for one of these cars, it's a podium, a couple of times podium car. Okay, yeah, Lando's been on the podium once, but through, uh, they were strong in, in that race. But realistically... What else can you do? You are a average performing midfield team. As I said, yeah, you're fourth in the championship. And yes, that position means money long, long term, but you're nowhere near getting Mercedes. And they've yeah. been the ones that allegedly struggling yeah. more yeah. Him struggling than is still anyone else. <laughs> so for both Lando and for DR's sake, they need to sort it out. Yep. Whatever they're doing, it isn't working. Um, someone needs to be fired and maybe they need to gut the whole uh, team and start again, honestly, because, yeah, there's new things coming like wind tunnels being built and all that sort of other stuff, but that's ages away. Um, just do the rebel powertrains thing and go pinch everyone from Mercedes. Um, <laughs> Alpine, Fernando Alonso, Alonso in seventh, uh, Espan Ocon in tenth, Fernando Alonso getting on the radio and McLaren believing him. And saying, oh, this is all the pace I've got. Lol. So that and that alone, driver of the day. Absolutely yeah. sails into the summer. Yeah. Hearing McLaren repeat that to both of their drivers <laughs> saying, Alonso has just told us he has no speed. We're sitting here going, tell us you're not falling really? for that. Lying. Are you he for real? Lying. He's like <laughs> sitting there being like, it's opposite day. Just <laughs> kidding. Absolutely. Again, the <laughs> McLaren team, as Mrs. Maloney, we we're talking about um, Alpine, the McLaren oh, team, come yep. on, as if you fall for that. Yep. Like, just, and, and then not only that, you know, base your whole remaining strategy on it, just yeah. seems rookie to me. But yeah, wily old Nando, <laughs> I've got no more pace. And then Ocon just doing what Ocon does best, which is holding everyone else up. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like I said to you guys throughout the rest, I was like, so he's in 10th now and hasn't pit. What does he expect to happen? Because if a safety car comes out, he's going to get net the same and he's going to be in 10th on new tyres. Like he's done nothing. You've just run a nothing race. You've inconvenienced freaking everyone out there. That's literally all you've done. You haven't made any overtakes. You've just held up people and been there. 
the best thing you did was make Seb kind of like outbreak himself and do a spin. That was kind of, other than that, you're just running around in 10th all day. Yep. And that's so stupid. And, and that's all that he's got. And he's signed for another 17 years, it feels yeah. like, with, and you've with got, Alpine. And I just don't understand why they did that. Someone who's won four championships on the trot coming through the junior programs, sitting on ice, waiting to drive. It's, it's insane ridiculous. to me. Absolutely. And could be driving with Fernando Alonso. That is insanity. Why yeah. is that not changed? Yeah, some some conversations really need to be had there. Like put the McLaren conversation in the bin and let's be looking at, at that and Ocon's performance oh. going, why haven't we got? I'd even take a year of like Oscar struggling over this like mediocre bullcrap yep. that is Ocon just piddling around getting one point a week, like useless. Yeah, he sits <laughs> in 10th. <laughs> just 10th every time. Qualifies in 12th, gets 11th. Or qualifies in 13th, gets 11th. Like stupid. Let's talk about Aston Martin who are a lot further up the list than what we normally talk about. Oh, because uh, not guy. Lance Stroll. He was in 16th <laughs> and he's useless. Uh, that's all that I want to talk about him. Uh, Seb Vettel, though, six. Uh, this green Red Bull seems to be working. It seems to have understood the package now. Um, Seb still showing that he's got it. I mean, he it was a brilliant drive in a car that is average and he's clearly faster than his teammate. Ten places, clearly faster. Uh, Freya... We love Seb now. Didn't have it in the past, but we love him now. Um, Hopefully this can bring a little bit more joy back to him and his race weekends. I think he should own the statement that Lewis Hamilton made two weeks ago saying, you know, never give up because the speed at which he came out of that attempted overtake, oh. spun that car around and was back on track, nearly took out Yuki on the way, which was yeah. – <laughs> but didn't. Um, And then you kept going. And like you said earlier, Tommy, going the fact that you've done that and then you've still beaten your teammate is just amazing. Being your teammate by 10 places. Yeah. Like at the the end of the race is insane. Yeah. But like you said, when you have that racing ability, James, and you can show that, okay, we're starting to get something interesting here in this car – and now it's over to the driver. I think that's that car has been interesting on that front because they have made such significant changes mm, yeah. that the disparity between the two drivers is becoming really apparent. Mm. And and it's just Vettel showing up stroll in such a big way. And yeah, more of those handbrake turns if you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we were saying about Seb Vettel, and I mentioned this in the last episode, you know, half well, not even halfway through, the first I think Campy said we'll give him seven races. And race two, he's like, yeah, I think Seb's done. It was so early to judge. And yet he's worked hard. He's oh. been pretty quiet apart from, you know, and he's been using this platform for looking at rights and, and sustainability and really important things, quite honestly. And yeah. he's, you know, he's come a long way since the, the Seb of the World Championships with Red Bull in the uh, in the teens. But, yeah, the, the disparity between him and Stroller is huge. Uh but also he's the only – it feels like he's the only sort of light in Aston Martin. Oh. Like otherwise the mechanics or the owners or the investors or the um, the sponsors don't have anything yep. at all. We mentioned a little bit earlier about uh, all of the merch being sold out in Miami except for Lance Strolls and, mm-hmm. that, and that just sort of absolutely ties in. Let's talk about Alpha Tauri. Uh, Pierre Gasly in fifth uh, and Yuki Tsunoda in 13th. Um, Many, many, many millions of dollars, pounds, euros spent on Formula One cars. Many, many long hours, 
time, thought process, design, chucked out, redone. But if you're going to fix a rear wing, you're going to bloody use gaffer tape, aren't you, Tommy T? <laughs> well, I hope they put that in the cost cap. That's probably like five bucks worth of gaffer they use. So make sure that's recorded somewhere because that was definitely used. You love to see it. Also, could you have been more prepared and had some strips maybe Seriously. cut? Seriously. So use some of that cost in scissors. Yeah, guys. <laughs> no, they've just done like a zip tie over the middle where you rip it against that. Like if you've used gaffer before, you know all the tips and tricks. But have some pre-cuts. Stick them to your arm. Like, come on, let's think about this because you're in a pit stop yep. in a situation where you need to be quick. You don't need – it felt like there was one guy holding it and three people clambering <laughs> yeah. to all rip it off. Yeah. You're making it slower, guys. <laughs> Just let the guy with the tape do it. <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre. It was very also, bizarre. Also, could they have done that while the tyres were getting changed as well? Yeah, Not seriously. afterwards yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. flat on the ground. Multitasking. Like, guys, this is a struggle. Like, I'm not, I'm not working in the pits but – Geez, you could multitask and do a few of these jobs at the same time. I do also yep. love that it's just not the first time that we've seen gaff tape on a rear wing as well. Like yep. it's, oh. I think it was uh, Red, Bull. Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah, with Verstappen's yeah. as well. So I, I, I learned early on, like I went and saw some V8 supercars up close. There is tape used constantly in motor racing. <laughs> on TV, you can't tell. Up no. close, they are trashed. Mm. Like these cars don't look as pristine as you would think. Like they actually go through and, do a bunch of clear taping over all the Formula One cars over every yes. panel gap and stuff as well. Yeah. So tape is not a foreign thing to a Formula no. One car. Usually it's done as discreetly as possible and usually yeah. colour-coded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not so much just whatever's lying around. Also bold of you to assume that V8 supercars is a motorsport. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Pierre Gat- Gasly had a good race though. I was going to say Pierre Gasly <laughs> yeah. in, in fifth. Uh, he was in fourth for quite a long time uh, and, and was challenging. Chan- challenging Hamilton, uh, which wasn't really his race, and he ended up getting passed. But his best result for this year, it's been a bit of a dog of a car as well, the AlphaTauri Freya for, for most of this season. Um, and both he and Yuki, if it wasn't for the, the black and orange flag and the gaffer tape, <laughs> were in really good positions. Yeah, that was encouraging to see them getting back up the, the grid again um, and starting to see Gasly back where he belongs. Nicely settled in fifth or sixth position yep. where, he, where he looks good. Um, probably should have pitted under the second virtual safety yeah. car. I think he kind of suffered there. But um, like I said, had some battles in there. Um, and I think, you know, he his performance there, especially once the Ferraris were out, where he needed to be to score solid, solid points. Yeah, it was great to see. Uh, natural service is resuming, I suppose, when it comes to where everyone sits. Um Mercedes, though, third and fourth, talking about resuming sort of kind of natural positions. Uh, Russell again on the podium and Hamilton uh, in fourth. He exited the car, TT, in a, well, basically didn't exit the car. He, he sort of sat on the halo holding his back. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure some people are like, oh, Lewis, whatever, just get over it. Nah, like, dude. mate, look at that on board. It, oh. it, and if you look the at noise alone, oh, yeah. if you look at how a Formula One driver sits, it's not sitting, it's lying down effectively. Lying down, yeah. There's not a lot of comfort in that thing. And if you're porpoising like that, oh. for that long down that main straight, it's very, very uncomfortable. And with only Canada around the corner, it's going to be it's very be hard for him to recover. Angela's got a, a lot on her plate now to try and get him sorted out for this couple of races. But yeah, Mercedes, as we said, cut away one of their directions and went in a different one that seems to be working better. They're certainly not the fastest two cars on the grid, 
but they're absolutely there in the third position now. Yep. Uh, sort of cemented in as well, I would say. Uh, and able to pick up some of the scraps. So if something happens like has happened with the double DNF for the Ferrari, then, mm. yeah, you're going to get a podium spot. Yep. Uh, I think Hamilton actually had a better race. George didn't feel like he was racing anyone. He was just – didn't do an overtake, wasn't anywhere near any cars. To George's credit, he's qualified really well this year uh, and that's what's kept him in it. But I think Hamilton has been a better racer throughout the year. Like on, on the Sundays, he has performed way better. George has just been in positions where he's kind of untouchable. So – but for, for where Hamilton started, he came back through, he put on some genuine pace and had to catch up and do some overtakes. It was good to see him back in control again, but that would be such a brutal thing to go through for just short of the two hours or whatever the race length is and then have to turn around in another week where you've just done it to do it again and then next week as well. Like, you'll be so sore. Yeah. Yeah, it's no good. But, uh, yeah, for Mercedes – Interesting, Freya, that Toto Wolf come, comes on the radio and says, sorry, we know this car is basically a piece of crap, Lewis. Uh, it's not you know, fitting for you. We'll try and sort it out. Yeah, it's interesting it, to see the team kind of acknowledge, again, acknowledging their role in their results. And I think we're not seeing that conversation in other teams, <clears throat> McLaren, and <laughs> it's but, – but that's the team saying we need to do better so that you can perform because right now – and there's no question over – whether where Lewis from a driver skill perspective belongs um, in that those 20 drivers and the same questions are not being asked because it's very clear that machinery is not there and the team completely acknowledges that. Where's the magic brake dust? That's what I want to know. Yeah. So <laughs> we, can, we can talk about this now. It was talked about throughout the race about putting in a universal ride height across all the teams kind of thing. And we all said that was stupid. Yes. Do you <laughs> – it is categorically stupid and we should not do that at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think that Lewis or George would elect for a, a higher ride height to eliminate porpoising if it was detrimental to speed or do you think they'd both suck it up for the for the better performance? Well, I think you're seeing them suck it up for better performance That's already. That's what I mean. So like I they're already doing yeah. it. I don't think either of those guys, they're so competitive, they go any edge I can get, two tenths, give me it. I don't care what kind of condition I'm in at the end. Yep. If it's two tenths a lot, I'm taking it. Like I want it. Yeah. So I think that's your answer and that's why I think Toto and the team feel so bad is because those guys are willing to suffer through it for the team for the best performance. So they're like, we need to get our act together and sort it out so our drivers maybe last at the end of the season mm. and don't need to have new spines put in. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I'm not sure they could afford new Ooh. spines for, for those guys. Uh, it's interesting to see how they develop and, and it will be, I mean, I don't think, and I might have pointed this out last episode, I don't think we'll see Lewis Hamilton retire this year, where they line up for next year with learning about the new regulations, watching what Red Bull and Ferrari have done, the mistakes, and, you know, the positives and that sort of other stuff, getting it together to see what happens for next year. But yeah, as you say, certainly Russell has, has been outperforming Lewis because he's got a better understanding and more comfortable potentially with this car, but also there's been a lot of luck involved with that. A lot of safety cars, virtual safety cars and, and other bits and pieces where he's landed on a pit stop side on the better side mm. with, with strategy. So uh, you, it must be hard to be in Lewis's shoes at the moment in terms of seeing how this is. He's sixth in the championship. I think I read a stat uh, somewhere that since 2000 and uh, 2010, both, Hamil- like Hamilton and Vettel, either Hamilton or Vettel have been in the top two for championship. Oh, uh, right. This is the first year that that hasn't been a thing. Yep. Don't quote me, and that's probably a later year. Right but though. but yeah. it, it, it's a changing of the guard yeah. thing in some respects. But 
as you said, Hamilton's race was much better and he's did some amazing overtakes in, in, in a lot of discomfort. Uh, but that's the kind of, you know, maybe this is the underdog if we do see him come yeah. back next year to take a world championship to, to get his eighth and retire on that. Yep. Maybe that's a better story. And also if we're putting money on any team to kind of come through this season with answers and develop a car and have some magic, I don't know. Like what, what was the steering wheel movement that we – Das. Das. Like this is the team that does all these wild and wonderful things. Like and aren't wasting money on two drivers crushing their, t- their cars that's every it. week. They're, that's that's it. the other thing. And their reliability is fine. Yeah. Their reliability like is great. So I wouldn't put it past them to kind of through the mid-season break, second half of this season, come up with something. Like imagine if they find something as revolutionary as like the double diffuser or something like that, which just flipped a championship on its head and going into the next year like one brawn a championship. Incredible. And I wouldn't put it past. Like if you're going to pick a team, it's Mercedes to come up with that kind of revolutionary thinking. Yeah. Well, it was to broad. break these new. Exactly. So they have it in them. Yeah. Yeah, they do have it in them. Red Bull, Max Verstappen first by about seven years, it feels like. <laughs> and Sergio lot. Perez in second. Um, he was having a good chat with his race engineer, TT. One of your favorite moments of the race, wasn't it? It was. Well, first the engineers told him basically to slow down because you know better than anyone what it's like to lose a race from here. Uh, and then he clapped back with like, my tyres are getting cold. That's why that was a, <laughs> a, a one minute 46. Just the sass coming out of Max because he's so far ahead. He was 20 seconds ahead of his teammate who was 20 seconds ahead of Russell, I think. It was just absolute trouncing by Red Bull from the start. I mean, I think you've got to give credit to Perez for jumping the Ferraris at the start because if the Ferraris are still in it, we're going to have a different race, obviously. But I think that move alone set it up to split them, to have them leading and then give the opportunity for the Red Bulls to do that. Max had the pace the whole race, though, like over his his teammate, uh, even though he out-qualified him. Yeah. By, by a fair bit. Yeah. It was really good qualifying from Sergio, but Max definitely had the pace all day. He was by far the fastest guy out there. He didn't end up with the fastest lap that was given to Sergio, but for consistent pace, it was Max all day. And it was kind of his race from what lap 10, you could see he was going to get to Sergio and go, all right, mate, you need to move over here because I'm coming through or we're going to have another situation in Baku. Yeah, which <laughs> Red Bull cannot afford. They got PTSD from the last one. But, yeah, Sergio had this confidence, Freya, didn't he, that coming out of Monaco and, and, of course, winning that. And you could see in his driving style for the whole weekend that, you know, his two-year extension for Red Bull, which is fantastic news for him. All of these things, but also you're still the second driver, mate. Sorry. <laughs> He yeah. wasn't. He didn't start his race like that, did he? For a he didn't. Like that, that. That start was amazing. Just going straight into that first corner, completely owned the owned the track there, which was great. And like you said, if the Ferraris were still in the race, that would have been an even more important move. Yeah. Um. And he set it up well for both of them. There wasn't. I didn't feel like between those two, there was the same level of oh, either one of you could win this one. It's like no, nah, this is Max's race, yeah. even you know, despite the qualifying result, which was really exciting to watch. Like Verstappen absolutely nailed that last sector in qualifying, but then Perez went and did the same thing as yeah. well. It was great to watch, and then I think Perez also a bit of strange luck on the uh, they say bad luck, but it was just weird to watch um, in his pit stop. Oh yeah, just really slow, yeah. and it just didn't. And it didn't look like there was a reason there wasn't a wheel that wouldn't come off or no. anything like that. It was just looked like it was it just was like halted the, for a minute. 
something to do with the gun, like giving the the go ahead green light. Yeah, yeah. green light yeah. just didn't ever came. Yeah, I just yeah, I just hate seeing someone's race in jeopardy for something like that, which is just so yeah. outside of their control. Yeah. And yeah, anyway, so hopefully you don't do anything like that again. But yeah, Red Bull really dominated. As they probably will for the next couple of races. We're going to Canada in only a couple of days' time, and that is going to be a fantastic race. Frey, you're going to be there in person, which is going to be very exciting. You get to be our eyes and ears on the ground. Uh, another racetrack, which we would love to yeah. do, TT, I think, yeah, as well. So um, we'll just all be envious of you, Freya, whilst you're doing that. Well, that's our team-by-team analysis and our Azerbaijan GP race review done and dusted with McLaren and Landon Norris both firmly in the bin on fire. Um, Our Fantasy League, though, uh, Campy's favourite part of the podcast. (laughs) I think we should do that now. There's 153 of you in the um, league at the moment, and it's so great, uh, but I reckon we could do more. I reckon mm. we can get at least. It's never too late because Freya and I always forget to At least 200. <laughs> well, it's, to be honest, it's not even, I don't care where you come. I don't care about your team score it's or point team anymore. It's all about your team name. Uh, and there's some absolute fantastic ones here. Um, I'll begin us with Sergio Superhot Shenanigans, Tully C, if you know, you know. Pray for rain, but not too much. Steen N. James Swore, Gasp, yes. Joshua A, I do, but again, only for great effect. Um, flyovers for Life, Tara G, yep. Zero Pod, Zero Wins, Trent K. I'm only imagining if... Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yep, good. Uh, <laughs> who... Or why, sorry, why does my team name make Campy Snort? Daniel B. Um, <laughs> drones, well, everything does, I think. Drones are the new flyover, Byron H. Yeah, they're Yuck. firmly in Tommy T's bin. <laughs> Full bin, Yoss and the DR critics. Daniel T, Sebastian Vettel's rainbow bicycle, Dennis O, heavy Vettel, rock and stroll, Anthony B, see you in Montreal, Jimbo. We won't, LBS. <laughs> uh, A, because we'll be too busy uh, protecting the Prime Minister of Canada, uh, Latifi, and also it's because Freya will be there. Um, well done, Baku. We had to get in there. Catherine L. Zach McLaren, bin chief. <laughs> Richard L. Ricardo Appreciation Society. Josh L. Yoss, put Yoss, put yourself in the bin. Zach B. <laughs> Hillary. Uh, I can call Buck in the bin. Jane W. Science gets pole like Manus gets technology. <laughs> Nicholas <laughs> A. Sounded way more sexual <laughs> at the start. <laughs> <laughs> Pole position. Uh, anyway, that's great. Thank you so much, guys, for, for being part of for that, uh, of our Fantasy League. But also thanks for being part of our Discord server and also for sending messages through Instagram uh, and leaving comments either on, on YouTube or wherever else. I try and reply to as many as I can. So uh, please send them through. Um, you can either also find uh, both Tommy T and I on socials. There's a link to us to follow us in the links. Sorry, in the description below, you will see absolutely no new post from Tommy T. I think the last thing he posted 2019. was 2019. Excellent, <laughs> uh, good. Uh, but there's occasional stories about listening to this podcast, which you already do if you listen, if you listen this far into it. But guys, it's so good to do this in person. Tommy T, thank you for your your house as a venue and your double screens with yeah, one yeah, screen yeah, on the top for racing and timing down the bottom. It's been great to be here. Uh, and Freya, thank you so much as well for, for, for it's great that we're here at the same time 
It is. I only flew 150 hours just for this podcast. So. Just for this? <laughs> yeah. You're an absolute legend. Uh, if you want to be a legend too, like Frey, you can do two things. Either firstly, you can leave a rating or review in either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or secondly, you can jump onto our website and uh, check out Tommy T's new merch designs. Uh, he has a season and a half late. He, he <laughs> has been a consummate professional Ugh. in developing a consummate professional T-shirt. A campy saying, uh, I think we'll only leave it up there for maybe a month or so and then yeah. we'll put a new design up, uh, which means it'll stay up for another nine months before you put up <laughs> a new design. Uh, is the Tommy T way, the busiest man in the world. Yep. Uh, but you can support the show via that. We don't do advertising. Uh, we, we Everything's done for free, basically, for you. You guys are our main focus, um, unless you don't care about Dan Ricardo, which, as I said last time, stop listening to podcasts, put yourself in the bin. Yes. But that is it for this race review. We'll chat next Monday for our Canadian Grand Prix race review and uh, watching what Nick Latifi and Lance Stroll do for Canadian on Canadian crime in Montreal. Also, Freya and I are just sitting right here. You don't have to yell. Who? <laughs> you don't actually have to project your voice to all of the listeners. Not with that attitude. That many kilometers. Not like. with that attitude. <laughs>